Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Aaron. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. NFL Super Wild Card Weekend here in the first full week of January concluding. My name is Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, for all of my gambling picks. Joined by my NFL co-host and our podcast producer, Alex Uplinger, to talk some NFL. At Alex underscore up seven on his personal account and at full underscore slate underscore pod on his uh, managing our podcast Twitter Alex, it's good to have you aboard. How are you feeling? Jacked up for some playoff football, I imagine? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm doing great. I couldn't be more excited. Six games on the weekend. I love how it's three and three each day. It's going to be now, a How do you feel about your Steelers being the last of the six? Uh, it's kind of nervous. I feel like that, that'll <laughs> make or break my entire weekend with bets and just happiness. Right. No, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you'll have that Sunday night, and then the next morning you'll either Mondays will feel a little easier, or it'll be be, be a brutal Monday. So um, exactly, just have to see how that goes. But I guess let's start right there before we get into the games. What do you make of what we're about to see here with these, you know, three games Saturday, three games Sunday? I mean, from a fan's perspective and a gambler's perspective, we're not going to complain about two extra games to wager on. Uh, but I, I could go either way on this just from an NFL league format. I mean, that buy is so important that you can sell me on just how important it is to be that one seed. But at the same time, taking away another buy, I feel like almost gives the one seed even more of an advantage. I, I don't know. I, I, I've gone back and forth and, and certainly not so much in the AFC, but you can certainly look at the NFC and, and we're going to get to Chicago later, but you look at them as the seven that otherwise wouldn't have made it, and, you know, uh, they're a ten-and-a-half-point underdog. Yeah, so arguably they shouldn't have made it. They wouldn't have made it, but I like it. I like the one only one top seed. I, I think it makes the regular season that much more exciting and that much more important. 
Anything just from a, uh, you know, we're old enough, we've been doing this uh, long enough, uh, anything that, <laughs> by no means are we senior citizens, I feel like, that comes implied when you say something like that, but nonetheless. Um, <laughs> or just anything, veterans. Any, any kind of, ten- thank you, yeah, there's a the word, uh, veterans. Uh, any, any kind of tendencies that you like to hone in on come NFL playoffs, like certain, uh, you know, things that have been profitable for you or just things you like to do, whether they win or lose? I like to look at at home teams, although that really hasn't been that profitable, and I, I think I'd stay away from it this year solely because the home field advantage is kind of gone. There's there's going to be a few teams with fans, but since 2013, home teams are 12 and one straight up and only seven 14 and one against the spread. That was kind of shocking to me, just thinking how little home field means in the wild card. And then you look at these games. That's just all but, in the wild card round. That yeah, that. that's in the wild card round. And if you look at these games, all but one is favorites of sizable margins. Which so just based on those numbers, one or two well, of these are probably going to go two down. Decent, like greater than field goal home dogs. Tennessee and oh, you're right. Washington. Okay, so all but two. Yeah, Washington. I, I forgot about Washington. Sorry about that, Washington. Yeah. I I kind of count them out from the start. Come on, man, all you people in that Washington area. <laughs> I know. I'm sure they're stoked. So let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start with the first game on Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock Eastern kick in Western New York. The Buffalo Bills hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Fans are going to be allowed at a Bills game for the first time all season. So that's exciting. And, and I, I'll just start right here, Alex. Is somebody that has no dog in this fight, the Eagles uh, are just the opposite of a playoff team this year. I am uh, certainly, uh, you know, if, if you had to say who you're cheering for, I could certainly get behind the Bills uh, and, and, and just get in that first Super Bowl and, and, and the fans of Buffalo and everything it would mean for them uh, as they have to win, obviously, uh, four weeks in a row here. Well, they hope they get that bye in between the conference championship and the Super Bowl. But nonetheless, uh, they open here as a looks like six and a six and a half point six point favorite around the markets. Uh, things moving looks like there's been some indie money. I believe this uh, started opened excuse me at seven, uh, and we're seeing a total of fifty one in this game. I'm not gonna. I think I'm gonna sit this one out because I think this there's some variance here, Alex. I think on one hand, uh, I look. I looked at this number, and one thing I like to do is sometimes try and find common opponents between teams and try and understand a number, if it makes sense. And if you do that, obviously your Steelers are a common opponent here. And we know that just a few weeks ago, Pittsburgh was a short underdog against Indianapolis. On the road, Indy's favored in that game. you know. And go back a few weeks prior, Pittsburgh going to Buffalo is only a one- or two-point dog. So... Now, Indianapolis, who was favored in Pittsburgh, is going to Buffalo and is a touchdown underdog when the Steelers were just a two-ish point underdog in that Sunday night game. That felt a little wacky to me. And sometimes when I feel like the line is that far off, it just is giving me cause for pause and why I think there's variance. Um, So I do think if this is a close game, that there's a chance the Bills could lose it outright because the pressure here is definitely on the Bills. They've been playing so well. 
They've been running right through everybody. Now if they get into a big game where all of a sudden it's tied in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden Josh Allen has to make a pressure throw on a third down, you know, with five minutes left in the game or something, I don't know if I want Buffalo there in that spot. You know, I don't know that I'd feel great about them even winning the game. We saw in Josh Allen's first playoff start last year, they really cradled up there and, and, and whittled up and, and let Deshaun Watson and the Texans come from behind. On the flip side, I also look at Indianapolis and say, well, gosh, they kind of lollygagged a little bit last week against Jacksonville, and it was a frustrating push for me on Jags plus 14. But if Indianapolis cannot get Jonathan Taylor going here, I'm not quite sure how Phillip Rivers and company keep up. You know, so I could also see Buffalo getting out early again. And maybe this isn't the game where Josh Allen needs to make a big throw later. The Bills are in a close game. Maybe this is just a game where Buffalo continues to roll and and the game's over by halftime. And and they're up, you know, 24 to 6 or something going into the locker room. So that's why I'm kind of staying away here. As I said, the number... Just being as high as it was, I can understand why Indy Money came in off that seven. Um, but I think I'm just, uh, you know, I, I, I with a game of this kind of variance, uh, I, I don't think I want to get involved on this side. Uh, and, and I think that's also, when you're talking variance, that applies to the total, too. Talked about Buffalo running up and down on everybody, scoring a bunch of points. But then I'm talking about if it's a close game, if Jonathan Taylor gets running, you know, you can talk me into the over or the under. One thing I will mention, and I know this, they are now below that seven, but they did open a touchdown chalk Did the Bills. Uh, John Ewing on Gambling Twitter, always a good follow. Playoff favorites of at least a touchdown since 2003, 28-37-1 against the spread. So that's the Saints uh, and Bucks later on who we'll get to. But um, I don't really want much in this game. I think that's a great point that you brought up to look to common opponents, but also I think the games you mentioned, I think those lines were more due to current form. The Steelers going into that Bills game, they just lost their first game of the season, and then going into that Colts game, it was a free Steelers, yeah, yeah, it was three straight. I think that line indicates losing three straight and just losing at Cincinnati. So I think it it definitely has some merit, but. I think the current form probably had more to do with that, and current form speaks to why the Bills are probably favored so highly. They're one of the hottest teams in football right now. With that said, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going with the Bills. I got six and a half. Uh, you brought up some good points. I could see it keeping it close if they can get Taylor going on the ground. That's a huge advantage for them. This is more just a bet against Rivers and a bet on just how explosive this Bills offense is. One thing to keep an eye on, though, is the status of Diggs. I saw he's dealing with an oblique injury right now. I don't know how serious that is. I assume he's going to give it a go, and he's going to play, but that would be a huge loss for their offense. He really is the entire offense. Um, Just makes the whole team that much better, his ability to stretch the field. But Phillip Rivers – 
in games where the temperature is freezing or below. He's one in five straight up, and that's. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's one other point I forgot to bring up. The one other reason that would give me cause for pause if I wanted to take Indy. You have a dome team going to Western New York that in the playoffs is always a concern. Exactly. It's going to be below freezing come kick, and we know Rivers. Just the old bodies out there in the cold, I don't think they quite warm up. It's dome now and all those years in California before that. Right. So it's a small sample size. He really hasn't had that much experience playing in the cold. And then this season, the Colts are two and three straight up in outdoor games. I think one – By the way, it looks like Cole Beasley also going to be questionable. I I knew there was another receiver for Buffalo that was injured. Okay, but they did get John Brown back. Right. He he looked like he hadn't missed a beat. I think a good prop to look here is Josh Allen – over touchdown passes. I'd be curious to see what that opens up. The props don't come out until closer to kick, but that's going to be something I'll be looking at. Josh Allen, he's thrown two touchdowns or more in 13 of his 16 games. And the Colts secondary, they can be exploited. They're 20th in the NFL in average passing yards allowed per game. They give up 241.6 passing yards per game on the season. And over their last three, they've allowed 301.3 passing yards per game. Bills are just so explosive. They're one of the better passing attacks, and that's mainly due to Diggs, so his status will really, really influence that. Um, if he's a full go, I'm, I'm really confident in the Josh Allen over touchdown props. I'm, I'm hoping it would open maybe two and be plus money instead of the standard 1.5 where it's extremely juiced. So I'll be looking sure. at that at kickoff. Yeah, and I'm not going to argue with that. I think, uh, listen, we've seen all season Buffalo has had struggles running the football. Um, and, and maybe that's another problem that, you know, down the line, uh, you know, becomes an issue. Although I will say, obviously, this indie defense, now granted, they played a pretty soft schedule there early on, uh, but they did look pretty good. At times, they're certainly going to need that defense. They're going to need the Forrest Buckner, um, you know, and, and uh, excuse me, why was it throwing a blank on the linebacker? Darius Leonard. They're going to need uh, those horses on defense to really get after Josh Allen and company. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, it's it's going to not be a surprise, right? I mean, quarterback play is paramount at this time of year, but – it's the bills have gone as far as Allen's arm has taken them really, because we haven't seen that. It's weird, right? Like I feel like we talk about Buffalo, even before they got to this level, we always talk about them having good defense, right? Like that cold weather, you know, especially McDermott, right? He's a defensive minded coach and it just hasn't, their defense hasn't gotten going to that level this year and they haven't been running the ball, but Allen has just been out of his mind. I I, I can't remember. Did you have an MVP ticket on him? Not that it's going to win, but yeah, I did. I had, 35 to 1 preseason. It's unfortunate that Rodgers had the year he did. I, I saw some crazy stat that that they've scored more touchdowns than they've had punts. The Packers. That's wow. just hard to believe. That is crazy. Uh but no, I you know, if if Beasley and Diggs are in, then uh I'm not really uh, I think that's a good good look for sure because um, you know, you, you don't, we haven't seen many backs, uh, for Buffalo really get involved at all. 
And, and yes, Allen's always a threat to score one with his legs, but you know, even on the goal line, the, they, they seem to run the play fakes, and we've seen Dawson Knox be involved in the red zone. So uh, I certainly think that's a good prop um, to give a look to in this first game on Saturday. Let's keep things moving and go all the way across the country from western New York to the Pacific Northwest where we have the Los Angeles Rams making the trip to Seattle to take on their division rival, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we are seeing the Rams catching three. It looks like this number has been bet down from the opener of, I think, four, four and a half. Total in this game of 42. That has also been bet down. Uh, Alex, let's just start right now by saying I'm curious if you agree with me that when I saw these numbers hung right off the bat, didn't seem like the books were hesitating, sounded like everybody was pretty confident that uh, Jared Goff was going to play for the Rams. Is that Was that your reaction? Yeah, that was what I thought when I saw the opening number. And I think they might be a little more confident in Wolford after seeing his first game, despite he did throw an interception on his first career pass attempt. But <laughs> he looked to settle in there pretty decently. And he's he's a lot more mobile than, than Goff is. But, yeah, I think this number was probably laid with the the thought that Goff was going to give it a go. So what I want to exploit in this game is the total, and I think the under is an excellent play here. I'm going to max it in the first half. I believe, I got 21 on the first half under, and I bet the full game under uh, earlier in the week at 43. That has come down to 42. Um, and here's what I'm seeing. Action Network had a good uh, piece up about uh, a good little trend that I like. Small sample size, but in playoff games – Featuring divisional opponents, the under is 11-7-1. And I think that makes so much sense because familiarity often breeds unders. And the reason I believe in that is because how often do we talk, whether it's Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, or how often do we talk about these offensive minds and how creative they are or how much, you know, how, how many more you know, tricks up their sleeve do they have, right? Well, that's all on the offensive side of the ball, right? That's the side of the ball where you have to try and come up with a few new wrinkles, right? Because on defense, obviously, you're just trying to find the ball and make the play. So when you've already seen that team twice in that season, especially when one of the two times is as late in the season as it was here for Seattle and the Rams, they just played a few weeks ago in Week 16, then I have to think that, you know, the Seattle defense, I mentioned McVay as being one of those offensive innovators, they have a pretty good feel for what they're seeing from Sean McVay this year. Like, how many more tricks does Sean McVay have up his sleeve? Maybe he does have a few more. But I think that is why this unders in playoff games between divisional teams hit, because normally when you've already played a team twice in one year, you don't even know the second time if you're going to see them a third time anyway. So you kind of exhaust a lot of the tricks in your bag offensively. So that's one thing. And then secondly, when we look at it specifically to this game, we have Jared Goff just coming back. And if you're the Rams, you have arguably the best defense in the National Football League. Tell me why you don't want to ride that defense into the fourth quarter here and go into the fourth quarter 14-14, 17-17, something like that. And then at the end of the day, it comes down to a play here or a play there. That's my look at this if I'm a Rams fan. That's what I'm hoping for is that my defense keeps me in it 
my defense shuts down Russell Wilson and Jalen Ramsey gets the better of DK Metcalf on the outside. And the next thing I know, I look up at the scoreboard through three quarters. And as I said, it's 14-14, 17-17, that type of game. And if you're the Rams, you should feel confident playing that kind of a game because of how good your defense is. And Jared Goff just coming back, assuming he does play, well, don't we think that there could be some kid gloves? I mean, why would the Rams take a lot of chances with him, right? I think short passes, running the ball a lot would probably be their plan offensively. Then we look at the Seattle defense. Alex, it feels weird talking this much about unders in Seattle games, but all of a sudden the Seahawks defense looks good, and this is what they've needed to become a Super Bowl contender. So, you know, this is the game. Because of how well Seattle's defense has played down the stretch, and because of how well the Rams' defense has played all season, this is the game where if I'm the Packers, you know, because the Packers could play the Rams if the Rams pull the upset here, or let's say the Saints win, the Saints would play Seattle. This is the team, the winner of this game, I think, is going to be very live going into the divisional round, whether it's the Rams going to Green Bay or the Seahawks going to New Orleans, whatever it may be. I just think both these teams have a chance to make a run because of their defenses. All of that is to say, give me the first half under, give me the under, and oh, by the way, one last point, I will also use this in a teaser. I am going to, I tease the Rams up to nine and a half. Just kind of a simple play. You like the under and a low total anyway. You can get the dog up close to 10. I got the Rams at plus nine and a half. I'm going to tease the Rams with Alabama in in the college football national championship game, getting Alabama below that three at minus two. And then my hope is if I'm live going into the national championship, I'm going to have Alabama minus two, and I can bet the Ohio State side and look for a middle. I'm with you on the under. I took it at 42-and-a-half earlier in the week. I'm waiting to hear the golf news. I think if he's announced the starter, that the total will tick up a little, and I'll try sure. to play it under again. It's just it's crazy. We are talking unders in Seattle games. They didn't play <laughs> a lick of defense to start the year, but since week 10, they're 6-1 and one to the under. On the season, the Rams are 12-4 to the under. this is the lowest total on the board this weekend. That is crazy. With with Seattle's offense, it's hard to believe. But as we've seen recently, they haven't quite been putting up nearly as many points. They've gone a lot more conservative. Last week we saw Seattle, they ran the ball 27 times and rushed through it 36 times. So they're just playing more conservative, just really leaning on that defense more so. Uh, rightfully so. That addition of Dunlap seems to be huge, and Jamal Adams back healthy. And like you mentioned, the Rams defense, it's one of the strongest in the NFL. They're number three in both rush and pass DVOA. So I feel like Ramsey will just shut down Metcalf, and then what are you left with? You're left with a really strong rushing game, and then Tyward Lockett. Yeah, I really like the under here, and I'm going to wait to see Goff's status. And, yeah, I think, like I said, I think the total will probably trick up a, maybe a point, a point and a half. And then I'll probably hit the under again. I, I just don't know how effective Goff will be. I mean, he has a broken thumb on his throwing hand, so the game plan has to be use that 
right. stable of backs, control the ball, and like you said, let the defense win this game for them. And that's why I especially liked it in the first half because I think if there's things that we don't know about Goff, we're not going to know them in the first quarter, right? Maybe he plays the first quarter, second quarter, and is okay. And maybe by the third quarter, fourth quarter, they start to open it up a little more. But I definitely think early on the Rams are going to play it conservatively. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to be joining you on the first half, especially after that terrible beat I had last week. Seattle, San Francisco's 9-6 to six going oh. into the fourth quarter, and that game somehow goes over the total. San Francisco just loves to score last-second meaningless <laughs> touchdowns. To That's right. Yeah, what, when you have that Thursday night Packers. Oh, my God. Oh, Packers. Course, wasn't it? Yeah, that, they literally scored with zero seconds left to push the total <laughs> over by a point. Uh, one last note on this game. It does look like Cooper Cup is going to be able to get back, right, for the Rams. I thought he was a close contact in the COVID protocol. Uh, therefore, um, obviously, that would be a big addition for the Rams. Yeah, I haven't seen anything official, but it sounds like he will be giving it a go. So when him and Goff get announced, you got to think this total is going to go there up. could be some over money for sure. Yeah. Let's move forward to the Saturday night game where we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling up north to your neck of the woods, Alex, to take on the Washington football team. Tampa Bay is an eight-point road favorite, a total in this game of 44.5. It looks like the early money here is on Tampa and the under. Uh, And I will – I am going to plug my nose here and take the Washington football team. I have not locked in a play yet. I'm hoping that we – See this number, Alex, you mentioned it, how the number kind of ticked back up at a few different shops. But I thought, and, and we kind of confirmed it before we hopped on, that this number kind of opened around seven, seven and a half. And I'm hoping that we see more Tampa money by kickoff. I thought that the books might keep going just solely on the teaser protection because you have to think Tampa's in every teaser and money line parlay this weekend, right? Oh, absolutely. Every. Every teaser, every money line parlay, yeah, this this is probably going to be one of the more popular bets of the weekend. Right, so for the six-point teaser purpose, I thought this full game line might get to nine or ten. It still may, but I'm going to plug my nose on Washington, uh, and here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying. What have we seen in the playoff games that Tom Brady, when he was with New England, when he struggled, it's been because there have been front sevens that have gotten after him and made him feel uncomfortable and hit him enough. I'm speaking mainly to the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Giants. Well, that's exactly what Washington has done this year to be successful. They have really made quarterbacks feel uncomfortable, and their defense has been outstanding. So from that standpoint alone, I think that the Washington football team defense can make Tom Brady feel uncomfortable. This game reminds me a lot of a regular season game when Tampa went also against an NFC East team. Tampa went up to MetLife Stadium on Monday Night Football, also a primetime game, and the Giants' defense for the first half suffocated Brady. And they had a lead at halftime, and they let the game get away, and the Bucks ended up winning in the closing seconds. But they closed close to a two-touchdown road favorite in that game. I think the number here, wherever it settles, is going to be a Washington number. And as I said, I'm going to wait it out to get that teaser, or I think that teaser protection might come late. I think I could grab nine, nine and a half, hopefully even a full ten. Um, but, I, you know, I, listen, I understand the Washington offense leaves a lot to be desired, and this is a very good Tampa defense. But if you can give me 10, 
13. I think that might be all I need to cover this number for Washington. Uh, another stat here, I talked about the playoff favorites of at least a touchdown, 43% against the spread since 2003. Um, home dogs uh, in the NFL playoffs going all the way back to 1980, 26-14-1. That's 65% against the spread. Uh, so I'm never going to say no to a home team getting points. Oh, by the way, especially I mentioned the Washington defense. I happen to think that they are the better defense, even though the Tampa's defense at times this year has looked really good. So you're giving me the better defense catching over a touchdown. That's going to be pretty appealing. Mike Evans questionable, you know, so if there's a weapon that's hampered or maybe even down for Tampa here, are they able to score as much? And Alex, I hate to remind you, but the last four playoff teams, and I'm not saying sprinkle, but I just think this is a word of caution for all the teasers and money line parlays out there. The last four playoff teams of eight and eight or worse have all won one straight up on wild card weekend. That's the Carolina Panthers in 2014. The reason I say I hate to remind you, Alex, is because I'm sure you remember the Tebow game in 2011 against your Steelers, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That so that's Denver in 2011. It's the Seattle Seahawks in 2010 with the Marshawn Lynch run against Seattle, excuse me, against New Orleans. And it's back when they were the San Diego Chargers in 2008. They went into Indianapolis and beat the Colts. So that's four playoff teams the last four times, eight and eight or worse uh, for the regular season, have all won straight up. Of course, the Bears are also eight and eight. So I, I think Washington, a more live dog than Chicago. I will be on them come kickoff. Here's another trend for your Washington play. Those teams that are eight and eight or worse, they're seven and zero against the spread and six and one straight up. It's a small sample size because it it doesn't happen too oh, often. Oh yeah, I that, uh, that far. I just saw the last four at once. Yeah, straight up, it, so. it's small because yeah, it doesn't happen too often that you have these teams that are five hundred or that lower. That kind of makes sense though, because you, I think you want to sell this narrative. Oh, it's the worst playoff team ever. You know. Therefore, the number gets inflated, and, and these teams, they hear all that noise, too. And Washington, you know it, being in that market, they've been a motivated team all season with Ron Rivera, and especially in the second half with Alex Smith. So I, I think you're getting max effort here, even though they're the inferior team. I think it's enough to cover. Yeah, I agree. I'm not quite there yet. I'm hoping with you that this will get up to 9, 9.5. If it got to 10, it would be an automatic play. Um, Washington, they've been playing what feels like... Alex, maybe we need Mike Evans to be ruled in for it to get up to that area. Yeah, I can see that. And, and with him in, how effective is he going to be? He really stretches right. the field, but with a hyperextended knee, how much are they going to really run him? He's just a... You know, at that point, he'll be just taking away decoy coverage, exactly. But Washington, they've, they've had their back against the wall with feels like a month they've been having to win elimination games pretty much for the, the last month or so right so they they're no stranger to this spot they they just seem to win games that they have to but I'm gonna be looking to the under here I think with two really strong defenses it seems like a automatic play the Bucks they're second in pressure rate in the NFL and Alex Smith, really, the mobility is just not there. I mean, that leg injury was gruesome. It's incredible that he's back. And he just does not look comfortable 
back there any time that there's pressure on him. And the Bucks are one of the best teams at doing that. Washington, they're 10-5-1 to the under. And that front seven, like you were saying, they, they can get to the passer with just four guys, and then that really helps the secondary out. They, they've been one of the better teams against the pass. And then this game, this primetime game, Brady is just – <laughs> he's past not his Yeah, 43 years old. He's, he says he goes to bed at like 8 o'clock. So he's just <laughs> been bad in these primetime games. He forgot the downs on that Thursday night primetime game against the Bears. I know. He, he was probably – he was like two hours into sleep at that point. It's just – it's terrible. Goodell is just doing them <laughs> no favors here. He, he he's found, great. <laughs> yeah, Goodell just found one more way to screw Brady putting this game in primetime instead of – 4 p.m. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Alice, you mentioned, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned the Josh Allen prop in that first game. Maybe uh, could have, I think an interesting prop angle here might be to look at, you know, a J.D. McKissick or an Antonio Gibson receiving yards or rushing plus receiving. Because you talked about Alex Smith not really being able to get the ball downfield. If you're Tampa, I think at least to start this game, you probably look for a lot of that dinking and dunking, right? Yeah, so do you think if you're watching Yeah, so do you think Tampa will be able to shut that down? I, I would say play McKissick receiving over. It doesn't seem like they really they really throw to Gibson that much, despite yeah. him being a right. converted but wide receiver. He's kind of a gadget player at Memphis, right? Yeah, which is kinda of weird that it's McKissick who seems to be getting all the passes out of the backfield. But yeah, I think McKissick either over-receptions or over-receiving yards would be a great look. Smith seems to quickly go through his progressions and look for that outlet anytime there's pressure in his face, which will probably be a lot of this game. So I think that's a great look. On that note, we'll take a break, and we'll move into the trio of games on Sunday. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more information. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by our podcast producer and our football co-host, Alex Uplinger. Find him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. 
and on his personal account at Alex underscore up seven from the Saturday games into the Sunday games where we have the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. Alex, I got to say, by the way, a little bit of a bone to pick with how these games were scheduled. We talked about the Tampa. I guess, you know, I talked about Tampa getting the ratings, Brady and Gronk in prime time and AB. But you put that game on on Saturday night. You got Chicago and New Orleans. The minute I saw that matchup, I thought, well, that's going to be 1 p.m. on Eastern on one of the two days. I don't know if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. But this is one of the better games of the weekend, Tennessee and Baltimore, and it's the first game on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, do you think they they do that? They put a great matchup to draw people in what otherwise could be kind of a boring time slot. Maybe just to get people glued That's to the TV to start yeah. to start the day. Yeah, how many how many people are gonna you know if this is Bears and Saints? How many people are just gonna grocery shop for the to get all their stuff so that they have it for the later <laughs> two games? Exactly. I, I think they just get you glued to the TV, get you on the couch early so you stay for that second game. Yeah, also, I think maybe the the Bears. Their Saints was put on Sunday to guarantee that Kamara could be off the COVID list. And oh, that, well, that, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they want all the stars on the field, so I think they gave that extra day probably. Well, right, not only was Kamara now, if the game was Saturday, maybe these other players could be playing, but Michael Thomas is going to be coming back, and Latavius Murray, like all those backs, well, those are all COVID things too, but it's a good point. Yeah, I just want to have all the stars on the field, give them an extra day. Goodell actually – Doing something good for the Saints for once. <laughs> so let's talk about this Baltimore-Tennessee game. Uh, we have another home dog here with Tennessee catching three and a half, three, it looks like. Uh, shop around. Obviously, that's a very valuable hook. Bet online is at a juiced three and a half if you like the Titans. Total in this game, highest total on the board, 54 and a half. No surprise there. The Titans' defense can't seem to stop a nosebleed, and Baltimore is firing on all cylinders. Uh, looking to be like that team you don't want to see this time of year. And I know, you know, this goes back to the Joe Flacco days in Baltimore, but John Harbaugh's teams certainly know how to win road playoff games um, as they are a road favorite in this spot. Um, and Alex, I, I talked about it with you a little bit. I talked about it before we hopped on how this is a tough one for me. Mentioned how I think that Indy Buffalo game is pretty high variance and I'm going to stay away. Um, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is super high variance as much as it is like hard for me. I can make a case for either side. I'd probably lean to the Baltimore side. Um, and here's why, but ultimately I'm not going to play it. I don't think it's a home dog. Again, as I mentioned, I already said that with the Titans, but I'm worried about Tennessee. Anytime we have these matchups where these teams played in the regular season and they also obviously played last year in the playoffs. Uh, I'm worried that Tennessee just says, okay, we beat the crap out of them in the playoffs last year. We beat them in the regular season this year. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. Because that's what they had been doing in their games against Baltimore in the regular season and last year in the playoffs. So that concerns me that they, like, that they, if they just go with that same game plan again because it's been working, I don't know that it's as cut and dry as do the same thing all over again. It's just going to keep working. So on that front alone, I, I just think that Baltimore defense is going to be ready. And I mentioned the Tennessee defense just not being able to stop anybody. 
So do we really think, I know that Lamar Jackson has had all sorts of problems in his two playoff starts, but this seems like the perfect spot for him to break out in in the playoffs, given the circumstances for the Tennessee defense and how in a must-win game last week, they are battling tooth and nail all the way to the final buzzer with the, the lowly Houston Texans last week, and they need a doink field goal to go their way just to win the division. So I definitely lean to the Baltimore side, but at the same time, I can't ignore that history of Tennessee beating Baltimore as greater than field goal underdogs in the regular season this year. They were six and a half point chalk or point underdogs, excuse me, nine point dogs, one outright last year. I can't ignore that. And I'm not also completely sold as much as I think it's a cause for pause. If you like Tennessee to think that they might just go with the same game plan of Henry, Henry and Henry. I mean, they still have one of the more explosive receivers in the National Football League in A.J. Brown. And we know that Ryan Tannehill has proven at times this year to be a pretty capable quarterback. And Tennessee seems to have no problem winning these shootout games. We're going back a while now, but Tuesday night game in October, they just beat the snot out of the Buffalo Bills. So this is a tough one for me. As I said, I'd lean to the Baltimore side. um, And you do like Baltimore, so I'll let you speak to that. Yeah, this was one of the tougher games on the board, but I'm going to be playing the Ravens. I got three and a half. I think if I find a three, I'll probably I'll probably double down and go back in. The Ravens are just they're the hottest team in football right now. Granted, their schedule was easy at the end, but you still have to win and blow out these teams, which they've been doing. They're, they're on a five-game winning streak, and they've covered all five games. In that span, they're averaging 37.2 points per game. Looks like the offense has really found something. Lamar Jackson is playing incredibly. He has 11 passing touchdowns to three interceptions and four rushing touchdowns during that five-game span. And this is another one of those, like you were saying, if there's a game that he can go off and really solidify himself as a top-tier quarterback and win that playoff game, it's against this Titans defense. They really don't stop anyone. They, They allow... 128.8 yards per game on the ground. And then through the air, they're even worse. They rank 29th in the NFL. They give up 277 yards per game. And they're also 31st in the NFL. They allow 2.2 passing touchdowns per game, which is where I'm going to look for another player prop here. I'm going to look for Lamar Jackson passing touchdowns over. I think – we might be able to see that at 1.5, either really low juice or even plus money. I was going to say, you mentioned like a super-juiced Allen 1.5, a, a normal 1.5 for Lamar seems appropriate. Yeah, I think we might even be able to see that at plus money. I've seen that throughout the season because he has struggled at times, but he has been playing really well late. Also, the over might be a good look here. It's It's high, so it had me a little worried, but then I saw – Jerome Boger is going to be the head ref so far. In, oh, I saw this. Yeah, in the regular season, his games are 12-3 and to the over. And since 2010, games that he officiated are 103-60 and to the over. Wow. I, I don't know. What what do you think that could be? Just maybe maybe less, he calls less holding on the offense, so they're able to protect the pass. That, he calls more defense, like the defensive pass, penalties. Defensive pass appearances. Yeah, yeah. It's just, that's a 
really sizable sample. Absolutely. <laughs> 163 games and 103 of them go over the total. Yeah, I think I'm going to be I, – I might tail this Lamar prop because the more I think about this, like, I understand that if you're Baltimore, you know, if you're anybody, it's the playoffs, right? You just want to do what what's best to win the game. But John Harbaugh is a player's coach, okay? He's been there for over a decade. Don't you think that he might want to do a little narrative busting here? I mean, I can't help but think if, you know, there are – opportunities for Baltimore, you know, through the air, that they're not going to hesitate just because, you know, Lamar's playoff history has been spotty or whatever. Like, I think they're going to turn Lamar loose here. And, yeah, I suppose that could mean he has a big game with his legs. But I mean, let's put it – let's like, this doesn't feel like the type of game where they're just like, all right, J.K. Dobbins, one play, Mark Ingram, the next play. Like, they know the type – that might be something they do against the Steelers, right? where you're facing a more imposing defense. But in an opportunity for Lamar, as I said, to really get right, I think they might try and do a little narrative busting here as well. Yeah, and doesn't this just feel like a game they want to blow Tennessee out? Those past two games they've lost in last year in the playoffs. The waters here. Yeah, I I really really think Harbaugh is going to want to run this score up. And Baltimore, their first in average rushing yards per game, I think that could open up for some – easy play action passes, and you might see Hollywood Brown running deep by himself for a touchdown pass, maybe something on the goal line play action. If it's 1.5, sure. I could I could easily see. Yeah, Hollywood's starting to heat up for them. He is. I, I, he really spreads the field, and Jackson's been throwing the ball well. Yeah, I really like the if we can get 1.5 to maybe plus money or just low juice, I'll, I'll definitely be playing that. Let's go to what is probably the least intriguing game of the six this weekend, and that's the Chicago Bears making the trip down south to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints. We're seeing New Orleans the biggest favorite on the board this weekend of ten and a half and a total in this game of 47. And, you know, I guess I'll start with the side. I... As much as I could easily see the Saints just kicking the snot out of Chicago here, I have to hesitate solely because I do think there could be some mind games here. In other words, if you like the Saints, I would back them in the first half because the playoff history with the Saints has just been so bad. And and in these spots of touchdown favorites, they've not been doing – well at all, and I I worry if that starts to get in their heads a little, maybe a little less so, because I think there's probably a lot of optimism with all these guys coming back, Kamara, Latavius Murray, Michael Thomas, yada, 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 Uh, but I think when that history starts to pile up year after year, like it has been for the Saints, uh, that's definitely, in my opinion, a concern. I mean, overtime, fade play to Kyle Rudolph ends the game last year. We all know about the NFC Championship game against the Rams and then the Minneapolis miracle against Minnesota. Point I'm making here is the Saints, if they are going to win this game and win it big, they're obviously going to get off to a good start and none of these mental doldrums are going to play with them at all. So I think if you like New Orleans, you should play them in the first half and not in the full game because I think 
there could be some more, you know, exercising of those demons that goes on and they get off to a great start. And you never want, you know, a back door could be wide open here at 10 and a half off 17. So that's the first thing I'll say. But I'm going to stay away from the side. I'm going to look to the total here. I'm going to go over uh, 47. I think I actually got the worst of this number. I bet this earlier in the week. I think I took 48 looking at my bets. Yes, I did take 48. So hopefully I'm able to still cash. But I mentioned all the players coming back for New Orleans. Michael Thomas, Latavius Murray, who, you know, you might say, oh, backup running back. Well, they use him on the, in the red zone, right? So if, they, if he can punch one in, that's seven points instead of three they end up getting. That's an extra four points just because their goal line back converted. I don't think that's irrelevant. And obviously Alvin Kamara, as you said, Alex, going to play in this game, get out of the COVID protocols. Um, and, you know, certainly we saw what he did on Christmas Day against Minnesota. Obviously, it's a much better defense than Minnesota, much better defense than last week against Carolina. But they still scored 33 points with, without any of their running backs last week, did the Saints. So I think that their offense gets going and continues to, to kind of click. And hey, I, don't, I, I can't quite explain it, but that Bears offense, and yeah, they started to come back down to earth last week towards the end of the game. But that Bears offense for a good month now, you know, starting to uh, find some things for what, whatever it is. You know, they're, they're putting up points. And, um, you know, last week, again, only 16. But if I can get the – if the Bears can give me 21 here, I'm going to feel pretty confident about this game getting over the total. Uh, 26-23 score, by the way, back at a chilly Soldier Field in November when Nick Foles was the quarterback when these two teams met. So we would have gotten over 48 then. I like our chances to get over 48, 47, 48 now. Yeah, now you get you get a playoff game indoors. Looks like the over in domed playoff games is 29 and 12. My biggest concern here is just the Bears being able to score. The Saints defense is really strong. They're fourth in the NFL in average rushing yards allowed, and they're fifth in the NFL in average passing yards allowed. So my biggest concern would just be the Bears. I might look to the Saints team total over and not even have to worry about the Bears contributing at all. But I'm not on anything yet. I think you've talked me into the over. I'll probably end up playing that. But the side's a little too high. I could see the Saints easily running them out, which would lend to the over. This number feels a little low, especially being indoors, that fast turf, all their weapons back. at. Saints want to make a statement. Yeah, I could see this easily going over the total. Well, hey, look at that. We're talking each other into our plays. You got <laughs> me on the Lamar prop. I got you on the over here. Yeah, I'd love to see a little consensus action. Anything else to add here on this game? No, I got it. I'm just a little no, worried about is, the Bears. As I said, I think you agree, the least int- least intriguing of the six. Yeah, are you going to be watching this game on Nickelodeon? <laughs> I forgot, that's right. But, yeah, that's where that's where this game belongs. I'll, I'll have to check it out, see what they're doing over there. <laughs> uh, let's go to a game that should be pretty fun, and, uh, you know, it's a division rivalry, and speaking of Nickelodeon, probably going to have to watch for the hot mics between these two teams, the Cleveland Browns uh, making the short trip east to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Uh, and we're seeing this number has been bet out to close to a touchdown. Looks like a juice six right now on Cleveland. Uh, total, uh, that's Cleveland getting the points on the road, obviously. Total of 47. Uh, and, hey, we've been talking about some plays we like. Uh, we're both going to go to the Pittsburgh side here. I mean, I think even if you're not a sports better, you probably know what's been going on with the Browns this week. A lot of weird COVID stuff with Kevin Stefanski and, uh, you know, not being able to coach in this game. And, you know, it's just such a Browns thing, right? I mean, first playoff trip in 18 years, and, and then the coach gets COVID. And, you know, uh, it's just a lot of things that, for that reason, you know, I, I, they've been playing shorthanded with some COVID stuff. The receivers were out, and I guess now they're back. But they've had some injuries on defense, like, I was not, I mean, I cashed a ticket on the Steelers last week plus the 10. I was not that surprised to see that game come down to the wire the way it did uh, in Cleveland. Uh, and, and, hey, listen, I think that says a lot about the current state of the Browns, that they limp to the finish. You know, they let that game get away on Monday Night Football against Baltimore in the division. They survived against the, the B-Squad Steelers for the most part. If, if that Steelers team can nearly win outright in Cleveland when the Steelers have nothing to play for and the Browns have their playoff lives on the line, I got this at minus four for Pittsburgh. You know, obviously don't love it as much at, at six, which is, which is a quasi-key number at Kenland. Uh, but, uh, gosh, I, I think that this is one-way traffic come Sunday. And all those veterans for Pittsburgh are back and healthy and and I think you're going to see the Steelers look like the first half of the season Pittsburgh Steelers here. Not necessarily saying that they're going to keep riding that momentum and, and maybe they could be primed for a little playoff run here. But I think at least for this week, uh, this is going to be the Steelers uh, looking like that first half of the season Pittsburgh team. And 17 straight up losses in a row for Cleveland in Pittsburgh, that's not ending on Sunday night. I like the Steelers a lot here. <laughs> yeah, I love them. Like I said, this will probably make or break my entire weekend. I <laughs> I got three and a half early, and then I went back in after the COVID news. Stefanski is not going to be able to coach. I took five, and then I also took five and a half. Yeah, the Browns are 0-17, like you said, straight up at Heinz Field. And in those games, they're only 6-11 and against the spread. We saw last week – they barely beat a bunch of reserves. And then the previous matchup, the first of the season, they lost 38-7 to with both teams being relatively healthy. In those two games, Baker Mayfield he's, hasn't thrown over 200 yards. The first matchup, he had 119 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Last week, we saw he had 196, one touchdown, no interceptions. But in both those games, he was sacked four times in each Steelers front, I think is just way too, way too stout. I think they'll be able to get pressure. They're, they're first in the NFL in pressure rate. And we've seen Mayfield. He really struggles with pressure in his face. He's a above average quarterback when things are all going to plan, when they have the running game really going well. And when he's able to work out that play action set, but, when things aren't going well and the pressure's on, he just seems to fold. I, I think that'll be the case this week. I think the Steelers win pretty comfortably. I wouldn't even really be that afraid of playing six, but I'm glad I got in early at three and a half. And 
you think the Browns, they might just be a little fat and happy right now. They make the playoffs for the first time right. since 2002. And it's, it's kind really, of a happy-to-be-here type spot for Cleveland. Exactly. And then, now you don't have your coach to be on the sideline motivating you, keeping you in the game. And that Browns defense, the secondary, is just a huge concern. And what do the Steelers do? All they do is throw the ball. So taking more deep shots, see Chase Claypool going deep. I could see this game getting getting out of hand pretty early on. Um. All righty. Well, on that note, a consensus play on the side for Sunday Night Football for the final game of Wild Card Weekend. I called it Super Wild Card Weekend, but I don't know. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well. I've heard people saying it. I don't know, Alex. I'm sticking with Wild Card. Yeah, I like Wild Card Weekend. That yeah, that doesn't sound that good at all. But it is it is incredible to have six matchups. So drinks of choice this weekend as we wrap things up. You know, foods like what what are we looking at here for these games? Well, unfortunately, I picked the worst year probably in the history of our country to try dry January but if I wasn't it would be be strictly be strictly Miller Lite because you got to sustain through three games that's you know crisp taste less filling it'd be that and you got to have the wings any and all flavors just wings or or buffalo chicken dip that's that's the go-to for playoffs that's a staple for sure Hey, dry January, that means a big Super Bowl for you then. Bigger than normal. <laughs> exactly. I'm excited. Assuming I can make it that long, we'll see. Alex, always fun. Uh, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Follow Alex at Alex underscore up seven and managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Greg Frank here at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Uh, enjoy your weekend, buddy, and I'm sure we'll be talking. Yeah, you too. Best of luck. This has been Full Slate, as I said, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone, enjoy the NFL wildcard weekend, and of course, please, play responsibly.